0: Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of Deuteronomy. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.TheWayMinistriesRI.org. Thank you and have a great day.
1: Welcome to the coming out of the dark Bible study. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's word. Amen. Amen. First and foremost, I'd like to thank our risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, for making this all possible for us by becoming obedient unto death, becoming the final sacrifice for our sins, so we could have a new life, eternal life, a born again life here on planet earth in a permanent relationship with God that can never be taken away from us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us and doing for us what we could never ever do for ourselves. I'd like to thank the Smithfield Avenue Congregational Church for letting us do our study here, One Body. Many parts, Many parts we're grateful. And I have to thank all the people that are faithful in the ministry to help keep this all going behind the scenes. One body, we need all we need each other. So we're just grateful for everybody. If you have a cell phone, please silence it so it doesn't disturb tonight's service. And we will start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us this opportunity to come before your throne of grace tonight, Lord, to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and place your name above all names, Lord, even our own, as we all fight, Lord, to put you first in our lives, Lord. Thank you for saving us, Lord, and giving us everything we need for living a righteous life down here, Lord, so we can show the lost and dying world that we do belong to you, Lord. Help us to always stay humble and teachable, Lord, so we can be like clay in your hand, so we can become like your son, the Lord Jesus here, Lord. Be a testimony and a living sacrifice to you, Lord. I pray for the people that can't be here, Lord, that uh, you hold your hand upon them, Lord, and keep them, that they can get the message another way through the internet services that we have, Lord, that we just all need the message to hear what the Spirit is trying to say to the church tonight, Lord. Help us to always take our walk seriously Lord and to never forsake the assembly of the saints as some people do Lord and as always Lord let everything we do tonight be led by your spirit and not my flesh and it's in Jesus' mighty name I pray amen and amen okay we're going to stand Brittany's going to come up usher in the spirit sing a song we're going to get started How's everybody doing tonight, okay? Really good to see everybody tonight. I'm glad I'm here. As we try to advance this kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness is not going to be very happy with us, so we have to expect retaliation in the believer's life. But that's okay. Just keep on keeping on. Believe me. He who was in us is stronger than he was in the world. Amen? That's a good thing when, you, when you're getting uh, attacked by the devil because you're doing the right thing. You're not getting attacked means you're living for him, so he's not going to bother you. Amen. Amen. But he never gives us more than we can handle. The Bible's clear on that. Amen. Way past our emotions. All right. The Holy Spirit is going to be taken over, so I ask you please be attentive to that and try not to cause any distractions that might try to get the Spirit out of us as the devil always tries to enter our minds to block this salvation that we. that Jesus died to give us, amen? All right, let's go to Acts chapter 4. Let's start there tonight. I'm going to back up to verse 5. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, By what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, we are being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man. Are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. The man you crucified but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scripture where it says, the stone that you build is rejected, has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name on the heaven by which we must be saved. Bible's clear on that. There's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. See who God uses, right? All the Pharisees that thought that they were smart through their theological um, learning didn't even know God. Even know. They crucified their king. But since they could see that the man, the man who had been healed, the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. Oh no, special special training script. They also recognized them as the men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right out there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men? They asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them, never again... To speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Look at verse 19. This is when you're led by the Holy Spirit. Now, they could have got killed. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further and they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. Amen? What's what's the the analogy here? The Holy Spirit was the one who led Peter to say what he said. The boldness in every believer's life comes through the Holy Spirit, not the flesh. Amen? These people could have got killed, whipped, flogged. They said, we're not going to stop talking about Jesus. They were willing to die for their cause. You know, when you're touched by God and the Holy Spirit, you cannot keep your mouth shut about Jesus. Amen? You just can't. It's just the way it is. Every believer. You might be able to try like Jeremiah did. The prophet said, I've been following you, and all I've been doing is getting in trouble. He says, I'm never going to mention about this anymore, the prophet said. He said, but something inside me is burning. I cannot not do it. Amen? I cannot not do it. No matter what's going on in my life, I cannot not do it. Amen? Amen. So that's how you know when you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. When you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, you cannot stop coming. Amen? Amen. There's just no way you could abandon God's house, His church, and His people. Amen? There's just no way. The Holy Spirit will always draw you back. Amen? Amen. Thank God for His seal. Amen? Amen? But if you can walk away, never to return... There's no way you're sealed because when you're sealed with that Holy Spirit, there's no way you could leave. Amen. You're sealed. You're sealed for life. He'll he'll make your life so miserable till you come back. Amen. That's a good thing. Trust me. Because our flesh is strong. We want to do our things our way. I got a scripture for us too now. Go to James chapter 3. Everybody with me so far? This is great. We're in the book of Deuteronomy. Mm -hmm. You can take the light into a lot of dark places, but you can't put it out. Amen? Mm -hmm. Can't put it out. Something will always draw you back to him. That Holy Spirit is a Mm -hmm. unbelievable. Powerful. Convict us right back to church. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's go to verse 2 of James chapter 3. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. James is saying, if you can control what comes out of this mouth, you can control everything else. And whatever, whatever other passion you have can be put under control. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, right? When they put the bit in the horse's mouth, what they do is they pull on it, and it causes pain, and it causes them to move in the direction of the pain. That's what they use, a little bit, that little thing that causes pain. He's using that analogy, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. You ever seen one of them big, big ships? the thing that turns it is small compared to the size of the boat. That little rudder turns that whole ship. That's what he's doing an analogy. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, now he's going to say the tongue. The tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It's restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, <laughs> and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. What is he saying? We come to church, it praises our Lord. But then we curse his people. That's what he's saying. We curse those who have been made in the image of God, which is us. And look what it says. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out of the both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. True wisdom comes from God. Now, this is great. I love this. This is is the punchline right here. If you are wise, a lot of us think we are, and understand God's ways, James is great. He says, prove it. How? By living an honorable life. Doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous, and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Okay, jealousy. Listen to what he's saying. He's he's saying something here. Jealousy, selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Those things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. You see, see, what, see what the Bible calls demonic? What do you call demonic? Jealousy is demonic. Selfishness is demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Can you get a big amen for that? Amen. Even in church. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Amen? Amen. He says, once you become saved... You're supposed to be a peacemaker, not a taker, Amen. You're not one. You, you you become part of the solution, not the problem. Amen. No more jealousy and bitterness. Gentle at all times. Willing to yield to others. Can we honestly all say we're mature enough to be that way all the time? Let's be real here. We got a lot of growing up to do. Again, amen for that. Thank God for His mercy and grace. Right. You can read the Bible a hundred times. It's hard to do these things because our flesh is very much alive still. We can't do this in the flesh. It's got to get crucified. And that's why you have to go easy on yourself and other people. This process of becoming Christ-like in righteousness is very hard to develop. And it takes time to develop quality life a quality godly life amen it takes a lot of self-control and discipline and what obedience to the words of god amen and saying no to the flesh that's what spiritual maturity is all the other stuff is unspiritual and demonic all right let's go to deuteronomy chapter 12 we ended we started into deuteronomy 12 we're just going to start from the beginning again and come down the book of Deuteronomy is awesome, isn't it? It gives us the whole topic of what happened in the Old Testament. And there's so many spiritual principles in here for us to glean off of. Jesus used Deuteronomy to fight the devil. Why do you use Deuteronomy? Because Deuteronomy is like the whole Old Testament wrapped up in one in one book. It tells us the whole thing, the whole gist of it. So if you get to know Deuteronomy, you get to know the Old Testament, you get to know the principles and things, the pitfalls that they fell into and to, to warns us not to fall into them, pitfalls, because we'll get the same result. The human heart has not changed. All right, look at verse 1. The Lord's chosen place of worship. These are the decrees and regulations you must be careful to obey when you live in the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you. You must obey them as long as you live. When you drive out the nations that live there, you must destroy all the places where they worship their gods. High in the mountains, up on the hills, and under every green tree. Break down their altars and smash their sacred pillars. Burn their Asherah poles and cut down their carved idols. Completely erase the names of their gods. Do not worship the Lord your God in the way these pagan peoples worship their gods. Rather, you must seek the Lord your God at the place of worship he himself will choose among all the tribes the place where his name will be honored. And of course, today, that's what we are called the church. That's the place where he's on. At the church. But we have to also understand the stuff, the temple that he's talking about, we got to get rid of all the stuff, is in us. We're the temple. We're the temple full of what? All the things that hinder us from living a spiritual life. Amen. He says that's going to get cleaned out and that old life has to go to let the new life in. That's what he's talking about. That will be the principle now. And, that is, and his name will be honored. There you will bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithe, your sacred offerings, your offerings to fulfill a vow, your voluntary offerings, and your offerings of the firstborn animals of your herds and flocks. There you and your families will feast in the presence of the Lord your God, and you will rejoice in all you have accomplished, because the Lord your God has blessed you. Amen? He cleans us out. The Lord Jesus came as a Savior to clean us out and make us new again. Amen? That's what born again is. Once you're born again, you have the Spirit of God in you, but you also have the Spirit of the world still in us too. He says, the, the, the Spirit of God that I put in you is stronger than that. Now I have to, what, break down all them Asherah poles and sacred pillars that you used to idolize when you were in the world, and I'm going to take them out of you, and it's going to cause some pain. You're going to have to say goodbye to some of that stuff. And in the flesh, it causes pain. But in the spirit, we're wondering why we didn't do it a long time ago. Right. The stuff that was hindering our walk with the Lord. And then some of us are just not willing to let go of all of it. And guess what? When the people didn't, weren't willing to let go of everything, what happened? It came back to haunt them. He told them, you've got to get rid of it all. Whatever your old life was connected to, it has to go. He says, don't worry. There's no room in my kingdom for sentimentality. You just come on my road and follow me. He says, don't worry. I'll just pray, and people will kind of come. Don't worry. Just stay with me. Amen? Amen. This is why I created you. Amen. All right, let me just reiterate on a couple of things here before we go further. In um, verses 2 and 3, when taken over a nation, okay, the Israelites were supposed to destroy every pagan altar, okay, and idol in the land. God knew it would be easy for them to change their beliefs if they started using those altars. So nothing was to remain that might tempt them to worship idols. We too should ruthlessly find and remove any centers of false worship in our lives. These may be activities, attitudes, possessions, relationships, places, or habits. Anything that tempts us to turn our hearts from God and do wrong. We should never flatter ourselves by thinking we're too strong to be tempted. Israel learned that lesson the hard way. Amen? None of us are strong enough to resist the devil. That's why we need, the Bible tells us clearly, submit to God, then resist the devil, and he will flee. We can't fight the devil in the flesh. It just doesn't work. He always wins, and he'll always come back. You could try to stay on the fence with this stuff, But let me tell you something, the devil will always win and pull you over the fence again. Amen? He says, run away from that and start a new life. Get rid of it. Start a new life. If you don't, the old life is going to come back and get you again. You're going to be worse off than before. And then you what? It kills you spiritually. It, you lose your faith in God. You lose your, your, your fellowship with other believers. You don't want to pray anymore. You start getting worldly all over again. Worshiping the things of the world. And God said if you don't get rid of it, it's going to happen to you now. And how many Christians do both? They want the word and the world. And the Bible says no. You've got to come up out of the world. He says, we've got to live in the world. But the principles of the world no longer apply to a Christian. Amen? The principles of the Word of God are what apply. And the only way we're going to get the principles of the Word of God is if we read the Word of God, come to church and study the Bible. As soon as we close that book and start doing things on our own, the world comes back in. Back to Egypt we go. Can I get an amen for that? And it's painful for a believer to go back to Egypt. And he'll call you back, though. He'll get you back. You know, you might need crutches, but you'll get you back. Yeah. He be, he, he just, that's the way he's got to do it. Because we're stubborn. He called his own people. We're stubborn people. He says, I want to bless you. If you obey me, I want to bless you. But if you don't obey me, you're going to get cursed. what did they do? They chose the curse. We chose the curse. We said, we want to, we're going to come to church and read the Bible. We're not going to obey it. Well, you're choosing the curse. You won't have any victory that way. All right, let's go to verse 8. Your pattern of worship will change. Today, all of you are doing as you please. (laughs) Because you have not yet arrived at the place of rest, the land the Lord your God has given you as your special possession. But soon, you will... you will soon cross the Jordan River and live in the land the Lord your God has given you. When he gives you rest from all your enemies and you're living safely in the land, you must bring everything I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your sacred offerings, your offerings to fulfill a vow to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. What's he saying? When you come to me, when you come to me, I want all of you, You got to. I want every bit of your heart, not just what's in your mind, I want all of you, a living sacrifice, I want you to let go of all of that, and come to me, he says, free, right now you're free to do whatever you want, as soon as you get saved, you're free to do whatever you want, you love that freedom in Christ, right? Then he starts calling you, and he starts convicting you, and things not working out, and he says, no, something else has to go. Then something else has to go. See, notice he doesn't do it all at once, thank God, right? He doesn't do it all at once. In the beginning, God's grace covers everything, right? Thank you, Jesus. And you're still living the way you used to, because you just because you accepted Christ didn't change the way you live yet. All it did was you found truth. And then, as the spirit starts working on us, as we start reading the Bible, and you start to see really the stuff inside of me that the Bible says that I didn't think that was wrong, but is. And it's like, wow, as I keep reading the Word of God and the Holy Spirit starts convicting me, and I'm like, Ugh, I don't know if I want that anymore. Mm-hmm. Even though we still fall into it, we start, we start coming out of Egypt, mm-hmm. you know? We start coming out of that. You know, then one day you wake up and you're like, well, I'm so glad I'm out of there, you know? Mm-hmm. That's how it works. You just get on the road and He just takes you there. Nothing that we do. It's a journey that He puts us on and He does the work. Mm-hmm. He's the one who begins the good work. He's the one who's going to finish it. We get in the way of that work. Can you get give me a minute for that. Alright, right. we understanding this? Okay. Now let's go to verse 12. You must celebrate there in the presence of the Lord your God with your sons and daughters and all your servants, your whole family. And remember to include the Levites who live in your towns, the priests, for they will receive no allotment of land among you. Be careful not to sacrifice your burnt offerings just anywhere you like. This is what Christians do right now. Huh? I can worship God wherever I want. No, you know, he calls us to a place of worship, to church, to the church, to worship him. That, no, he calls us here. Be careful not to sacrifice your burnt offerings just anywhere you like. You may do so only at the place the Lord will choose within one of your tribal territories. There you must offer your burnt offerings and do everything I command you. But you may butcher your animals and eat their meat in any town, wherever you want. You may freely eat the animals with which the Lord God blesses you. All of you, whether ceremonially clean or unclean, may eat the meat, just as you, know, just as you now eat gazelle and deer. Now verse 16, but you must not consume the blood. You must pour it out on the ground like water. But you may not eat your offerings in the hometown, neither the tithe of your grain and the new wine and olive oil. For the firstborn of your flocks and herds, nor any offering to fulfill a vow, nor your voluntary offerings, nor your sacred offerings. You must eat these in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose. Eat them there with your children, your servants, and the Levites who live in your towns, celebrating in the presence of the Lord your God in all you do. And be very careful never to neglect the Levites as long as you live in the land. Who were the Levites? They were the ones in charge of the temple, right? They were the ones, le- the priests were in charge of the, of the holy place. They didn't get an allotment. They, they, they had to get taken care of. They got a tithe of everything, a tenth of everything. That's why they use the principle now in the New Testament to tithe a tenth. But it wasn't just money. It was a tenth of everything. Their flocks, their herds, that anything, they gave a tent to the house of God, and it was the very best of everything. Amen? It was to go to the house of God. They use it today, and I'll tell you what, you know, not for nothing. Churches that do use it flourish. Because people actually give. Actually, God says give with your heart. He's thinking that you're going to give more than a tithe. Yeah, really. But no. The people, oh, we don't do that tithe anymore, Tempest. That's a lot of money. There's places that faithfully tied, And the places are flourishing. The buildings are beautiful. And everything's kept beautiful. Right? When places that, oh, free to give whatever you want. The door's busted. You can't get the light bulbs fixed. You can't get nothing. And that's how much they really honor the Lord. Oh, if it's free, it's for me. Coming to church. When the principal, he's saying in Second Corinthians 9, 7. Give with all your heart, for the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Once you actually know, more, God had to command them to do that. We know more than they ever knew. And how free we are in Christ, we should be given way more than they gave. But no, it doesn't work that way in the church. And we don't demand money here, but you think, whatever's in your heart comes out of your pocket. That's what the Bible says. If you don't have God in your heart, then it stays in your pocket. It's just the way it goes. Because you know how much you, that's where it hurts, right? It hurts when, when it comes out of your pocket, right? But were you willing to give a sacrifice to the Lord because you love the Lord and His people? Right. The wrong heart says, well, what are they going to do with the money? They're going to keep it? Are they are going to pocket it? They're going to rob you? Like,
0: yeah.
1: Really? Do you really think that they're going to rob God? You can't rob God. You can try, you never get away with anything. That's the mentality people have. I digress. Whatever. I'll tell you what, I give God all of me. All my time, all my talent, all my treasure belongs to him anyway. He says, the more you give to me, the more I give you there. Your rewards are in heaven. A cheerful giver, not a, I'm going to give money. All they ever want is money, to church. Well, the church doesn't have any money. Well, how else do they operate without money? Right? It's like, you go to work, they pay you. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't get paid. The Lord pays me. Amen. With with the, with the blessing and the opportunity to serve Him. Amen. It's way more than any money could give. But you know, people you know, people are people. They always think there's something behind it, and they're going to scheme and scheme and you know. just because some one bad apple corrupts something doesn't mean everybody does. Amen. But anyway, that's what the God wants the be- what the Bible's trying to say is God wants the best of you. The best of you, the best of your time, the best of your talents, the best of your treasures. Remember the analogy Jesus gave that woman, they don't had a penny? He said, They were given all kinds of money, the rich people. She put the penny in. Jesus mm-hmm. said, She's given everything she's had. Yeah. She said, That's more valuable than the people that have way more than they're putting in the basket. Amen? She gave everything we had. When She gave everything she had, her whole heart. Yeah. So that'll be proclaimed everywhere. Never forget about that. Yeah. All right, let's, let's reiterate on what they're talking about here. This, there was a lot of stuff they had to do, huh? Oh, yeah. This place of worship. You had to go here, you had to do that. All we gotta do is love God and love. Him. It's like we don't have to do that anymore. Thank God, right? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> love Jesus even more. All right, let me just reiterate on a couple of things. In verse 12, okay, the Hebrews placed great emphasis on family worship, okay, whether offering a sacrifice or attending a great festival. The family was often together. This gave the children a healthy attitude towards worship, and it put extra meaning into it for the adults. Watching a family member confess his or her sin was just as important as celebrating a great holiday together. Although there are appropriate times to separate people by ages, some of the most meaningful worship can be experienced only when shared by the old and the young. Amen? This church doesn't, we do what we, every, whatever age you are, you're in the same room with us. Amen? That's what it says. We all celebrate together. Right? We grow together in the church. In verse, all right, in verse 14, while the pagans offered the sacrifice to their gods, they offered them in many places. In contrast, the Israelites were only to offer sacrifices in the prescribed manner and in the prescribed places, okay? This restriction was meant to ensure purity of worship for the nation of Israel. Later, they would neglect this injunction and offer sacrifices at the high places where pagan deities were worshipped. If you want an example for that, go to 2 Kings, verse chapter 23, where Josiah destroyed the other altars. We should take steps to safeguard the purity of worship in our congregations. If we all individualized and customized worship to suit our own preferences, we would lose the benefit of worshiping as a body of believers. Amen? Okay, in verse 16, eating blood was forgiven for several reasons okay it was an integral part of the pagan practices of the land the Israelites were about to enter two it represented life which is sacred to god and three it reminded the people that life and strength come from god not from drinking or eating blood it was a symbol of the sacrifice that they had to be made that had to be it was a symbol of the sacrifice that had to be made for sin for more on why eating blood was prohibited, Leviticus chapter 17, verse 14 tells us why it was prohibited. So, God did not want the, in chapter, let's just keep going here now. I don't want to go ahead of myself. I want to get the gist of this. All right, we ended, we finished, um, verse 20. Let's go to, um, verse 20. When the Lord your God expands your territory as he has promised you, and you have the urge to eat meat, You may freely eat meat whenever you want. It might happen that the designated place at the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for His name to be honored, is a long way from your home. If so, you may butcher any of the cattle, sheep, or goats the Lord has given you, and you may freely eat the meat in your hometown, as I have commanded you. Anyone, whether ceremonially clean or unclean, may eat that meat, just as you do now with gazelle and deer. But never consume the blood, for the blood is the life, and you must not consume the life blood with the meat. Instead, pour out the blood on the ground like water. Do not consume the blood, so that all may go well with you and your children after you, because you will be doing what pleases the Lord. Verse 26, Take your sacred gifts and your offerings given to fulfill a vow to the place the Lord chooses. You must offer the meat and blood of your burnt offerings on the altar of the Lord your God. The blood of your other sacrifices must be poured out on the altar of the Lord your God. But you may eat the meat. Be careful to obey all my commands so that all will go well with you and your children after you because you will be doing what is good and pleasing in the, Lord's your, in the to the Lord your God. Verse 29, when the Lord your God goes ahead of you and destroys the nations and you drive them out and live in their land, do not fall into the trap of following their customs and worshiping their gods. Do not inquire about their gods saying, how do these nations worship their gods? I want to follow their example. You must not worship the Lord your God the way the other nations worship their gods for they perf- they perform for their gods every detestable act that the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters as sacrifices to their God. Imagine what they were doing. And you know what? He told them not to do that. But did they do that? They all fell into doing all of that. What does God say? One body with many parts. One church, one God, one Christ. Amen? No. Anyway, you can go anywhere in America and there's millions of different places of worship, right? And you can make the ever choice you want. But the Bible tells us clearly there's one God, one place of worship. Jesus is the head of the church, and we're connected to the vine. Amen? There is no other way, place to worship him. Everybody wants to mix it. Well, you know, you know, they they're good people. It's okay to do no. The Bible says no. Don't mix it because they're gonna. They're going to intermix what they do. their sinful practices what the Bible says not to do. Amen? And you fall into compromise. That's why the Bible is our owner's manual. What the Bible said is what we do. Amen? And when we don't do it, we suffer the consequences for it. Choose to sin, choose to suffer. That's just the way it goes. Okay? Okay. So look what it says in, um, in verse 32. So be careful to obey all the commands I give you. You must not any, add anything to them or subtract anything from them. What's he trying to say? God doesn't need our help. Mm. He doesn't need our help to tell us what's right and wrong. Amen? Amen? No, he knows what's right. He knows what's wrong. He created us. Father knows best. Amen? Amen. Okay. <laughs> Alright, let's just go to, alright, in, 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 the, in the chapters we just talked, God in verse 30 to 31, God did not want the Israelites even to ask about the pagan religions, okay, surrounding them. Idolatry completely permeated the land of Canaan. It was too easy to get drawn into subtle tempt, subtle temptations of seemingly harmless practices. Sometimes curiosity can cause us to stumble. Knowledge of evil is harmful if the evil becomes too tempting to resist. To resist curiosity about harmful practices shows desic- discretion in obedience. Subtracting from God's commands is looking for an easy way around them. Adding to them sounds religious, but it can crush people with unnecessary requirements. That's what the Pharisees did, remember? Mm-hmm. Strangely enough, when we add one command, we often wind up subtracting another. For example, the, pra- the Pharisees in Jesus' day added many restrictions to the Sabbath commandment. But by trying to keep Jesus from healing on the Sabbath in John chapter 9, they were breaking God's commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus 19.18. God gave his laws to point people to himself. Making them simpler or more difficult than they really are gets in the way of God's purpose and makes it harder for people to see him clearly. Amen? God tells us to love God with all your heart, soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to anyone. That's what he's trying to say. It's all about that. It's all about love. Somebody does evil, you replace it with love. You're a Christian, you're called by God, you're born again. You do not fight evil with evil, you fight evil with love. And if you don't fight evil with love, you're just joining in their practices. You're Fighting evil with evil, which is evil. The Bible is an awesome book for us to go by because it protects us. It protects us from falling into temptations and traps. There's so many things out there that look good. But there's no Jesus attached to it. And people actually give to charities more than they give to God's church because they think, oh, they're helping people in charities. Doesn't make any sense, but people just bite, bite into that like nothing. God says they want the best of you. Your time, your talent, your treasure. And everything that you have comes from me. And if you really believe that, you'll just give it right back to me. Yeah. If you don't believe that, you'll keep it for yourself. Remember the wicked servant? He said, you know, yeah, yeah. I hid it. I didn't want anybody to get it, so I hid it in the ground. I didn't tell anybody about you. He says, you wicked servant. He said, at least throw it in the bank and made some money. He says, give it to the guy that got 10 from it. That got 10 people's back from it. He says, you, you're going to hell. Will there be weeping and gnashing of teeth? He says, God doesn't give us things for us to keep. God gives us things to benefit his kingdom. Amen. Not ourselves. Amen. People just to get it twisted, but the Bible is clear. All right, let's go to chapter um, 13. Everybody with me so far here? This is awesome, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I love the book of uh, I love the book of Deuteronomy. Thank God we're under a new covenant, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of following all in pride. Remember if I said, Well, before you come. Make sure the door's open. you got to make sure you step three steps in, turn the key, shut the gate, take the bull, up, get the bull out of the car, bring him in, put him on the altar. Oh, don't, don't. Three, four steps? No, three. <laughs> yeah, sh- cut off. When People want to go back to the Old Testament, "Oh, so yeah, right. go for it. No, no, thank you, right? No, thank you. I'll take the new covenant. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, right? Oh, my goodness. People get so twisted with this, right? So It's a simple message, you know? It really is. Love God with all your heart and soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what the Bible's supposed to do to you. Change you. Into that. All right. Deuteronomy 13. Everybody there? We'll just break into this before we run out of time. A warning against idolatry. Suppose there are prophets among you, or those who dream dreams about the future, and they promise you signs or miracles, and they predict signs or miracles, signs or, predicted signs or miracles occur. If, then, if they then say, Come, let us worship other gods, God you have not known before, do not listen to them. The Lord your God is testing you to see if you truly love Him with all your heart and soul. Serve only the Lord your God and fear Him alone. Obey His commands, listen to His voice, and cling to Him. The false prophets or visionaries who try to lead you astray must be put to death. For they encourage rebellion against the Lord your God, who redeemed you from slavery and brought you out of the land of Egypt. Since they try to lead you astray from the way the Lord your God commanded you to live, you must put them to death. In this way, you will purge the evil from among you. There's so many systems out there that say that, you know, that, that's not right. We love God, too. We have God, too. We love Him. You know, why don't you just come? I mean, Jesus was a good teacher. Right? Jesus was a good teacher. Jesus, Jesus was a prophet. We believe that, too. Come to our church. We do the same thing. They trick you with half-truths all the time. And they take scriptures out of the Bible and they take Jesus off the throne. And they say, well, you know, (laughs) there's no Holy Spirit. No, there's a Holy Spirit, okay? It's the Holy Spirit that created the world, right? The the Spirit was hovering over the expanse. It's the Spirit that created all this, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. There is nothing without the Trinity. If they don't believe in the Trinity... They are the wrong religion. Better beware of that. Mm -hmm. Oh, but they're good people. You hear this all the time. It has nothing to do with good people. It's what you believe. And what you follow. The devil comes as an angel of light. Mm -hmm. Doing good things. But he wants you to leave Jesus behind. So we can do all these good things. You don't need to go to church. You don't need to read your Bible. We do all good things too over here. We don't need all that. We do good anyway. And they leave Jesus out of it. And they what? Lure people away because a good church is telling you to look, change. you got to change. You get convicted of sin. You're not supposed to do that anymore. Oh, don't worry. You can do that. Don't worry about it. That's what the four prophets were telling them, right? Live prosperity. Don't worry about it. God saved you. He loves you. 450 false prophets, they were listening to them. One said, judgment's coming. Repent. Turn from your sins. Mm -hmm. He's a troublemaker. Let's throw him in the cistern. Can I get a big amen for that? We we follow the living God. Amen? The one that says sin is sin. And he says, there's something wrong with you. You need to change. You need to repent and come after me. Or else you're going to die. This is the way it goes. Okay. Verse 4. Serve only the Lord your God and fear him alone. No, it says, do not listen to them. The Lord your God is testing to see if you truly love him with all your heart and soul. Serve only the Lord your God and fear him alone. Obey his commands. Listen to his voice and cling to him. The false prophets or visionaries who try to lead you astray must be put to death, for they encourage rebellion against the Lord your God, who redeemed you from slavery and brought you out of the land of Egypt. Since they try to lead you astray from the way the Lord your God commanded you to live, you must put them to death, and this way you will purge the evil from among you. Suppose someone secretly entices you, even your brother, your son or daughter, your beloved wife, or your closest friend, and says, let's go worship other gods, gods that neither you nor your ancestors have known. They might suggest that you worship the gods of peoples who live nearby, who come from ends of the earth. But do not give in or listen. Have no pity, and do not spare or protect them. You must put them to death. What does it mean? You know you're not going to put your next door neighbor to death, right? He's saying what? Don't have anything to do with them. They're like dead to you. You don't have follow them. You don't do anything to do with them. Amen? Just because they're going to drag you away that you're not going to pull them up. It's easier to get pulled off the table than for you to pull somebody up to this table. Amen? Because the way of righteousness is too hard for somebody living unrighteous. The way of unrighteousness is easy for someone to live righteous. Oh, yeah, oh, that's so easy. Boom, down we go. Feeding the flesh again. Very simple. All as I know is this. I cling to this. Because I know everything else is a trick out there. Yes. This is the only book that I trust. Amen? Amen. Jesus said you couldn't trust people. You can't trust people. <laughs> Have no pity. Look at verse 9. We'll close here. You must put him to death. Strike the first blow yourself, and then all the people must join in. Stone the guilty ones to death because they have tried to draw you away from the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of slavery. Then all Israel will hear about it and be afraid. And no one will act so wickedly again. He said, he was so adamant on purging it, you had to kill it. That's how... That's how bad it is. That's how infectious sin is. It's so bad that you have to put it to death. If you don't put it to death, it's going to be alive and take over you. It's like cancer. It's like cancer in a believer's soul. It can creep back in and take over. You have to put it to death. The Bible tells us in Colossians, put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with all that stuff we used to have done. If you do, you're going to go back to it again. You're gonna keep it alive, amen. That's why I said put it to death. The old life has to go. Amen. But let me tell you something. Once that goes, and you get on this side, you say, Wow, I didn't realize how bad that stuff was that I was doing. Yeah. Because the devil had me blocked and blinded. I thought I was doing okay. Really, I was following the devil. Mm. I'm like, wow. Now I'm gonna follow Jesus, and the devil don't want me to. He doesn't want you to. He wants you to say, oh, they're just too don't be too churchy. Don't get too consumed with this. Don't get too much with this. <clears throat> no, I have to. It's all better off if I don't. If I'm not all in with this, I'm gonna be all out. You can't compromise with this. Either you're in or you're out. And that's what the Bible says. You can't have both. You can't have two masters. You'll love one and hate the other. So I already made that decision. Jesus, right? All to him I owe. Sinned, loved, to, left the crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. He says, "Now, from now on, just follow me, and you'll stay pure." Say, "Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I can't stay pure without Him." Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to stop there. When we get back together, we'll get back into um, Chapter 13 of Deuteronomy. Thank you for letting me share that with you. I hope it gave you some insight on what was what's going on in everybody's life. Thank you. Thank you. And Brittany's going to come up and sing, and we are going to close.
0: Lord, I come.
1: Like that comes us tonight. Oh, hasn't Lord, bless this ministry? Bless everybody in this ministry. Give us first Corinthians still to love. Love is all we need in this life. This dying world, when we leave here, let us become beacons of light, so people can see Jesus in each and every one of us. Yes, Lord. Yeah. Our Lord, every day puts us to one adversity push us to a test. Whether we do the right thing or the wrong thing, now that we are true believers and Christians, we have that choice. Remember, we always have that choice now. Yes, Lord. The choice is, is to do the right thing. To stay rooted in the Word. Stay rooted as a family. We are a true family. May we all have a safe Miss, and may God bless us all. Amen. 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 Alright. Thanks, brother. Thanks, have. Wayne. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night until we meet again. God bless. Peace.